Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. What a difference a decade makes, and a pandemic, which for VinoMofo has actually accelerated growth. But well before COVID, the company had developed into a global competitor, taking the international market by storm, with no bow ties and no BS. From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Online wine business Vino Mofo seems barely to have put a foot wrong since it started out 10 years ago. Of course, that's not quite true, says CEO Justin Dry, but it's all part of business growth, and the business Justin runs now is very different to the one he and his partners began out of a garage all those years ago, experimenting with online TV shows before Vino Mofo's precursor, Quaff, and then, of course, Vino Mofo itself. When we first spoke to Justin in 2016, he was looking at lucrative overseas markets. Well, now he's found them, and Vino Mofo has become a very successful international business. So what's been its strategy for overseas success? Chris Ashmore caught up with Justin Dry and asked him first to remind us about Vino Mofo's no BS culture. Escaping the old stitched-up snobbery around wine to talk to a new generation of wine lovers in a much more down-to-earth way. How would Justin describe the culture? Just be human. Get rid of the bow ties and BS. Also, just care. Care more about your people. Care more about your team. Care more about your mofos. I think there's that real thing about caring. And I hate the word, but there's that thing about being authentic. It's overused so much, but... It kind of comes back to that, be real, be authentic, no bow ties, no BS. Be passionate, but don't be a wanker. How have you built your following, your mofo tribe? Okay, so I think it started with that first one that you mentioned, Quaff, and then that was kind of a Facebook for wine. That was very early days, 2006, and and then we rolled into a mobile check-in app and then an online wine TV show and then eventually Vino. And I think each one built a different audience, but kind of work together to eventually come to a place with Vino Mofo where we had this great young audience. We had a great network of producers that we wanted to work with. And then eventually we had the right business model. So I think a lot of it was to do with getting onto platforms super early. Like we were, you know, the first guys to do the live Twitter stream tasting in Australia. We were very early into Facebook. And I think when you're early and you use the technology, plus we were very early into content, Those two things really helped. And we talked about wine in a different way that appealed to a younger generation, which was all about that no bow ties, no BS. Let's be real and passionate, but don't be a wanker. Well, you've grown at an alarming rate in 10 years that MoFo has been around. Has that always been the goal, to grow quickly? No, I think it's funny. The goals change over time. I'm big on having vision boards and reading my daily statements and those types of things. And I think it's evolved when we started Quaff, we just wanted to do something cool in the wine space. (laughs) We just wanted to hang around with the uh, kind of rock stars of the wine industry and travel and try lots of wine. And that was really what we were trying to do early and just build this community of like-minded people. And then we started really enjoying playing around with tech and introducing that to the wine industry. 
And I think it evolved to, oh, now we need to make sure that we can pay ourselves so we can look after our families. Then things start working, you get a little bit more ambitious and then you go, well, what is possible? And that your eyes kind of level up every kind of step of the way because you aim to reach something and you reach it and then you go, oh, what's possible now? So I'd like to say that it was always the idea to get to this point and beyond, but it wasn't. It was an evolving thing. Mm. Well, part of that growth has been moving into the overseas market. Has that been a hard nut to crack? Look, it's very interesting path and you learn so much. And I think we made lots of mistakes, as most people would, but we adapted and evolved the businesses and they're working really well. I think one of the lessons that you learn is that the countries are very different. The people are different. What they want's different. Their history has an impact. Are they a wine-producing country or are they not? That has a huge impact. How many competitors are in the market? What do people want to spend? What wine styles do they like to drink? And what producers do they like to get behind? And what style? And so there's all these little bits. So, you know, you can do the how big is the market? What part of that can we go after? But really, until you get there and you learn on the ground, you're not certain of anything. Where have you focused on? New Zealand and Singapore, is that right? Yeah, so the first one was New Zealand. That made sense to us because obviously it's close. It's a similar market. It's a fair bit smaller, obviously, but they're a wine-producing country, which means that we could get the benefit of getting to know the producers more closely and we could send wine both ways. And the laws were similar. It just made sense and it was probably the easiest one to kind of test the theory. And then from there, we went to Singapore. Singapore was a decision. We were looking at the US, UK and China and other parts of Southeast Asia. And we ended up going with Singapore. It was an emerging market, so it was growing. So it wasn't about going into an existing market and stealing customers from competition. It was about doing that a little bit, but also the market was emerging and growing. And so not only can you get a piece of an existing market, you can get a piece of an existing and new market. And that excited us. So then Southeast Asia made a lot of sense being out of Australia, being the fact that wine was really coming on in those markets. I mean, it was starting to be really exciting. In the end, China seemed a bit big and scary and (laughs) complicated. (laughs) US was super exciting. That's still on the radar, similar to the UK. But Singapore ended up being really fascinating. There was a lack of competition. Wines were really expensive. So when we were traveling to each of these markets, I'd go shopping for wine. And I think one day in Singapore, I paid like $100 for a bottle of Jacob's Creek. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, This market needs to change. And when you work out why that was happening, it made sense. There was just so many middlemen. There was importers, exporters, distributors, agents, then the retailer. And so what we do is we buy direct from the producer and ship to the country and sell direct to our customers. So you skip everyone. We handle all the shipping, all the import-export stuff. And so we skip all of that margin and deliver straight to our customers, which means we're far, far better priced, better value than anyone in the market. Well, you've grown from startup to now an established and mature company. Does that mean business is done a lot differently now? Is it challenging to maintain those early tribal ethos? Yeah, it's really interesting. Business does change a lot and you have to adapt and you have to change as a leader. Your team has to change quite often. You go from generalists to specialists. The importance of culture is 
just multiplied by 10 times because you're going from a couple of people in a garage actually is where we started and all the way up to, you know, we've got 100 plus people across three different countries and three different locations, no, four different locations, I should say. And so culture becomes incredibly important and how you look after your people is one of those things that can make or break a business. So yeah, it does change a lot. I've had to learn and develop as a CEO from founder to CEO. CEO role is quite different as you get to scale. Uh, So that's been a really interesting and rewarding journey for me personally. There's lots of bumps in the road. Well, you've got investors as well you've got to keep in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a lot of different stakeholders in a business as it grows and investors are one for sure. And we've got quite a few shareholders outside of a typical investor model. You know, a couple of our team have shares within the business too. And we had a VC firm invest in us years ago too. So there's a lot of different stakeholders now and you've got to run that and manage that really professionally and make sure you're looking after each and every one of them in the right way. So yeah, complexity levels definitely increase over time. (laughs) Now, how has COVID-19 impacted your business? Yeah, look, it's as most online businesses, I think we've seen an acceleration throughout this period as people have adopted online as, I guess, a safer or only way to shop in some instances. And so we've definitely seen some growth from that. A lot of people have thought that there's, particularly in our industry, some level of stockpiling, but we haven't seen it. What we've seen is a whole bunch of new people join and frequently slightly go up. So as people can't spend at restaurants and bars as some are closed, particularly in Victoria and are limited in other places, there's less spend going through on-premise, which is between 40 and 60% of the industry for small to medium producers. So that's huge. And so that spend has then shifted to online. And so what we've seen is a quick acceleration in terms of numbers of mofos joining over that period. So yeah, business has been really great. And I feel a little bit funny and weird saying that because so many people are struggling right now, but the reality is our business has grown quickly and it has had a really positive impact. Well, finally, you've had an impressive 10 years. What's the next 10 years look like for Vino Mofo? There's lots of things that we're planning to do. Probably won't give away all my secrets, but it does involve far greater personalization and tech. Obviously, much more work in terms of loyalty. Global expansion is definitely in the equation too. So there's lots of really fun things coming. That was Vino Mofo co-founder and CEO, Justin Dry. Business Essentials Daily is a Sound Cartel podcast. Executive producer is Heather Dawson. Producers are Nick Schilberger, Chris Ashmore, and myself. Technical production by Pete Letts and Belinda Trimboli. I'm Nicole Goodman. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you more B Daily next week. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot com dot A-U.